I'm going to do a little Bible study. Uh, and uh, think of it as a study on this matter of prayer. Uh, and let's go to James 4. And I want to give you uh, at least eight or nine conditions if you want to have an effective prayer life. But let me, first of all, uh, show you what the effects of a prayerless life look like. Uh, a lot of Christians don't have a prayer life. They've got this help kind, or Lord, I made a mess of it, help, or good, good bread, good meat, goodness, let's eat. You know, something real deep, spiritual. But they don't have a prayer life, really. And so, uh, look at what James says. James 4. What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Uh, the first word, quarrels, means constant warfare. It was used of camp. You were in the campaign. You were always at war. The other word, meant skirmishes. You know, you just have these outbreaks. But, but one was, I'm engaged in, in battle all the time. And the other one, sometimes I really get in there and get going. Uh, what is the source of quarrels and conflicts among Joe's pool hall? Was well, he riding the local bar or the local church? Huh? I expect him to be quarreling at the bar. It's when I go to church, I don't expect it. I expect people to have checked in their guns and their knives at the door. Huh? I used to have a pastor, he said, when he came to board meetings, he said, have all of you checked in your knives? Don't come in here to cut up anybody. But James is talking to a church that's full of quarreling and conflict. What? And he's saying, he's just saying, What's, where's this coming from? Where's this coming from? Is not the source your pleasures? And the word pleasures here is the Greek word hedonism. Your love of pleasure. Love of whatever uh, tantalizes my appetites. So they come from these pleasures that are warring your members. And, and you want pleasures and Obviously, people were getting in the way of what you wanted, so you're warring and campaigning and fighting and pushing and shoving and, and knocking. I'm going to get what I want because my world revolves around what I want because I'm my own God. You lust, strong desires. We did, that's not always sexual. You just have strong desires for whatever, but you don't have it. So what do you do? This is so strong. You murder. This isn't West County Prison. You commit murder, and, and we struggle as interpreters. What in the world does that mean? First of all, what does murder mean? It means you eliminate what you gets in your way. I mean, I, I, you're my way. I'm going to eliminate you. And we're not sure, is this hyperbole? Jesus said in Matthew, if you hate your brother, it's the same as murder. So, I think we would probably, we're a fairly sophisticated church. We would just hate them. And, and it helps you beat time. 
Just hate them. Uh, what does it mean? Was this really true? You want something so bad, you'd kill the other person to get it. You can't believe you'd write this. What, what if I said this to Valley Bible Sunday morning? I want to say we've got some quarreling going in the church, and I'm afraid some of you are on the verge of murder. Uh, how many of you would quickly change your membership? Come on. I can't be going to church with a bunch of murderers. Well, James is writing to people in this category. So, okay, let's take it hyperbole. You hate them. Uh, some believe, you, you don't remember the Gospels. They had two boys named James and John, and they were called zealots for the liberation of Israel from Rome. And they one time said to Jesus, call fire down from heaven and destroy this village. And Jesus said, whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't come to burn up villages. I came to save. So you've got to know among Jews of this time, it was common for them to kill Romans, for them to resist Rome, 70 A.D., they're invaded by Rome, 82 A.D., they're invaded again. Judas Maccabeus fought them during the intertestament period. These Jewish people, this is a Jewish church, they were killers and fighters, and they were sick of Rome. So maybe some of the rogues came into the church, and they said, if things don't go my way in the church, I know how to kill. That's the literal view. Once again, you tell me what it means. What does murder mean on any level? It's dangerous fellowship to be in. Fairly dangerous. So you commit murder because you don't get what you want. You're envious and you cannot obtain. So you fight and quarrel. You do not have. Why? Other words, you'd rather do anything than ask God for it. I'll kill you, but I won't ask God. I'll envy you, but I won't ask God. <laughs> I'll envy, but I won't ask. I'll fight, but I won't ask. Wow. How would you like to be the pastor of this church? They had to have something no less than an apostle. And he got killed eventually. He was martyred. So uh, I just listed the effects of a prayerless life. One, constant conflict and battles. And there's many a church. Before it died, its last gasp was fighting with one another. You can't fight with one another and reach people for Christ. My dad uh, was a country boy. He said, you know what? A dove never hung out in a tree where a bunch of coon dogs was barking underneath. That's too deep for you city kids. <laughs> Other words, the sweet spirit of God doesn't hang out where there's a bunch of fighting. He just lets you have it. That's why so many churches are being buried and dying, and they're down to five because they fought for years. And God says, I want to bury you. And they need to be buried. The poor representatives of Christ. Uh, two, uh, when personal pleasures are the reason you're living, uh, you're going to be in a quarrel and in conflict all the time because you're not getting what you want fast enough. Uh, 
Three, they were strategizing for ways to win. They were, they were in a war mentality. Uh, they were living with lust all the time. So they weren't people that you could say, I'm satisfied in Jesus. He's all I need. He's satisfied. Oh, no, 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 no. I, I want, I'm going to get, I want. I, they're in that mode. No sweet, just resolution. They, they, they weren't experiencing that. Uh, they're hating, killing, whatever we want to say. They continue to fight. And so, James says, uh, I'd like to give you an alternative way. Uh, why don't you pray? <laughs> have you ever thought about it? So then, he says this. You do not have because you do not ask. And so that's the title of my lesson tonight. Uh, what are you living without because you never ask? You do not have. Quit griping. Have you asked? If God gave you everything you've been asking him for this week, what would he do for you? This week, your prayer list. If God answered everything on it, right? He, he just said he just swept in you tonight. And he gave you, some of you, he'd give you zero because you haven't asked. You've been too busy scheming, strategizing, lusting, envying, and scheming. You haven't been asking. I want to get it my way. And then when we bury you, we're going to simply sing, I did it my way. Now, you did. You split the church, you lost your marriage, and you died a rich man, and your kids hate you because you live for self. That's called the American success. Um, you ask, and you don't get it. You ever hear people say, I, I ask, but God's not listening. Well, have you gone over the list lately? Lord, I need a, I can't witness without a new Lexus. You mean you couldn't do it in a Ford? Jesus wouldn't look good in a Ford. Uh, you ask and you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. Why do you ask for, what would you do with it? What are you asking for? Does it include five young men? Does it uh, include any widows? You got any orphans on your prayer list? I said, do you have any orphans on your prayer list? Forget your damn job. Do you have any orphans, any widows you pray for? Do you have any lost souls that are going to hell and they need somebody do you pray for your neighbors? You don't even know their name. You don't want to know their name because they're probably unsaved. And man, I just want to be around Christians because I'm so strong. When are you going to be salt and light? When's the salt going to get out of the salt shaker? Yes. Salt in the salt shaker doesn't do anybody any good. You got to get it out. And some of you are just in a holy huddle all the time. You don't know what to do if you're not in a Bible study. Well, there's actually sinners in the world. And they need someone to tell them about Christ. Well, I hope God sent someone. Maybe he'll send someone from Africa to evangelize Americans. Because if the American church doesn't get its mouth thawed out, 
Our mouth talks about too much of the wrong stuff. One guy said, many Christians are like the Yukon River, frozen at the mouth. Well, I'm meddling, but I'm back. I've been sick. I'm healed. So I, uh, I want to uh, give you eight conditions to get your prayers answered. These are verses I've picked from different places in the Bible. We provide on the back of the sheet. And I'm only going to give nine. And then we're going to go to the first page and look at it. Um, let's, uh, the first thing uh, in prayer, I think, would start, and I'm just at random picking these, Psalms 37, 4, and 5. Delight yourself in the Lord. And then he'll give you the desires of your heart. But don't start with, give me my desires and I might delight in you. Yes. No, no. It starts, you delight yourself in the Lord. You're my wonderful God. You're my wonderful God. I, I'm delighting in you. And by the way, oh yeah, while I've been worshiping you, some desires. I'd I like for you to save my children. I'd like, I like you to save my uh, employer. Uh, I'd like you to help me with my temper. Uh, would you supply the finances we need in the home? Uh, whatever that is. You, you know, you can bring real needs, real desires. Uh, bless my marriage, my children, all, all those things. That's normal. There's nothing wrong. But it's an interesting priority. Why would God want to grant you your desires when he's not your first desire? Seek First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Oh, everybody wants a perfect marriage. Everybody wants perfect kids. Everybody wants lots of money. Everybody wants a good car, a good job. What's in it? Quit praying like an American. Start praying like a Christian. Get off of all this stuff. Uh, pray for poor folks. Why? Yeah, my folks were grapes of wrath. There's a lot of poor folks right now, out of work, and, and they're not all lazy, friend. They're not all lazy. My dad was at a picket line eight hours a day trying to get a job for a dollar an hour, but he said there was 300 other men there too, 1936. Just a poor okie. And no one wants to spit on an okie, let alone hire him. Wasn't lazy, but he nearly starved to death. But church folks brought food by. They made it on salt and bread. And they gave my brother and sister an orange for Christmas. We made it. Thank God I wasn't there. There's a joy of being the baby of a big family. <laughs> Eat your heart out, David. He still resents me for being the last. <laughs> Pray God will work in his heart. Uh, number two, God will not hear you. Look at Psalms. Let's just check this one. Psalm 66. Um, if I had good readers, I'd let you read it. Anybody read? Somebody had a, a roaming mic here? Uh, Come in, 66, um, verse 18, and it says, okay, stand, sister, my sister's here, read it loud. 
Oh, but going to 19. Go ahead, sister. Verse 19. But, But God surely listened and heard my voice in prayer. Praise be to God who has not rejected my prayer or withheld his love from me. Amen. And he said, but if I'd had sin going on in my heart when I approached him in prayer, he wouldn't have heard me. So guess what? You know why a lot of folks don't pray? They're staying in sin. They don't want to give up their sin. And so he said, don't waste your breath praying. See, prayer is a great sin-cleansing activity because as the Spirit searches your heart and and you know maybe resentment you have towards husband, wife, kids, dog, cat, church, uh, you you can get clean in His presence. And isn't that where you wind up spending a lot of time just getting clean? And that takes some of you your whole prayer time. (laughs) Kind of burn up the request list. Uh, by the time you got clean, you were late for work. So that means you need more time. And if you do it daily, maybe you can finally get to request. But if I regard iniquity, if I'm scheming on some woman, and I'm planning something I'm going to steal, I said, by the way, Lord, help me. Hang it on your ear, honey. Mail it to your congressman you ain't going to get anything God doesn't answer prayer for people who are not taking sin seriously you got to deal with the sin in the heart and so he says to do it three uh, you've got to ask for things in the will of God we saw that in first John 5 this morning 14 and 15 we have this confidence when we ask in his will. Jesus said in John 14, 12 through 14, if you ask the Father anything in my name, and we, name equals his character, his nature. If you ask anything in keeping with who I am, I'll answer it. It doesn't mean just everything you tack on Jesus' name at the end of it. Not the title, but the nature of the person. You, you go to God, and God knows if you're asking in keeping with his son, would Jesus pray for this? Would he want this? That's why learning to pray the disciples' prayer, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's not just a liturgical prayer. That is a great pattern prayer for all of us. Start with, I want to hallow God. I want the priority of his kingdom. Now you do that, thy will be done on earth. As in, now, he does that. First, I've hallowed God. That's adoration. Then I want his priorities. Then I get to give me my daily bread. But I've had two requests ahead of me that are about him. Yes, yes. Then you're going to ask him, by the way, I'm living in the economy that you could starve any day. Palestine, 30 AD. Uh, we need food today. Some of you, you never ask for daily bread. You've already gone to Costco. But they needed daily bread. And it goes right on. Uh, Fourth, uh, you've got to start asking for things that promotes God and not yourself. Is there anything you're asking for that would promote Jesus Christ? Is your prayer life Christ-centered? 
Uh, and that's where seek first the kingdom of God, Matthew 6, 33. Uh, Father, your will be done, not mine. That's a submissive attitude. When you really mean that, uh, you're in a, an attitude of worship and trust. Uh, fifth, look at this. Uh, look at James 5. James 5. We had a wonderful time of prayer with some of the elders and uh, uh, because uh, Catherine was in the music ministry, we let Deborah in, but we just prayed she wouldn't hurt the prayer meeting. Uh, and uh, uh, we, we prayed over our sister. We used James 5. We anointed her with oil. And it says in 5.16 of James, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. Do you think God heals today? Hmm? Who believes that? Yeah. yeah we, I, I believe God heals. I don't believe in divine healers, but I believe in the divine healer. And I don't have to call his donation line. I, I, I get right through. I'm a son. Father, and the elders that were there that day, uh, Catherine could not exhale without coughing. And uh, this had been going on for weeks. I'd seen her at Kaiser and doing everything. They had her on a bunch of medications. The doctor finally said, there's no more we can do. Took her off everything. And uh, some of the elders gathered around. We prayed. And when we came to this, the effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Now, that word here, righteous, doesn't mean justified man. We're not talking about justification here. We're talking about lifestyle. Even you rascals have been justified. But I don't want you praying for me if you just had a fight with your wife. No, no, no. You're walking with God. You're living like Elijah. You're a man known for walking with God and doing things right. You're doing things right. And I never prayed this before, but I said, surely, God, among us six that are praying, at least one righteous person is in the room. I was betting on the odds. Heal this woman. If there's another, the other five I know are not as godly as me, but here one of us. Here one of us. Well, I don't know which one was righteous, but he healed her. And the cough went away. And the glory goes to God, not to us. None of us claim to be healers. God just healed. See? And we give God the glory. And when you see Catherine, she's been here the last few weeks. She's not coughing. Bless her name. You know, that God did that. Smoked for years, developed lung problems. But God intervened. And hallelujah. Uh, and it says something here. And James makes a comment. Uh, the prayer of a righteous man is very effective. And let me tell you what this word effective means. It's energe. You see, hear that little word? You, you hear anything sound like that? Energe. Energy. And when you put a ma ending on it, m, uh, m and then an ah, 
it means the effects of energy. Uh, you know, there's one thing, uh, energy, got electricity, there's all kind of energy in this room. That's nice. But when you really know there's energy is when you see what a machine or whatever, the effects, uh, the work it's getting, how fast the car goes, the rocket, what energy described by effects. And what he's saying here, the prayer of a righteous man has divine effects. Things happen when the righteous pray. Things happen when the righteous pray. You know, I, I woke up a few weeks back, uh, and I was churning about something. It doesn't have to be anything important to churn, but I was churning. When I went to bed that night, I, I don't know what it was. Uh, you know, if the meal had been burnt or what, I don't know. Uh, indigestion. But... Uh, when I woke up, I, I won't forget this. It seemed like the first thing is I awakened, laying on my bed. God simply said to me, all you need is God and prayer, and there's nothing that can stand in your way. Did you hear what I said? I said, do, do you have God? So we're not making it financially. Do you have a God that can make it financially? See, something that doesn't uh, take place in hardly any churches anymore is active growing on fire prayer meetings. There are, has been. There, there has been. You know, I grew up as a Pentecostal boy. I talked to Carolyn's uncle, who was general superintendent of a big Pentecostal group. I said, hey, James, because, you know, we've known each other 50 years. I said, uh, how, what's prayer like in the denomination? You know, we, you know, all those prayer meetings, we, he said, oh, hardly have any of them anymore. I said, what? He said, no, no, they don't pray like we used to. Oh, it's a generational thing. I talk about the Pentecostals, you know, they're wild. They shout on the birthday song, you know. They need to be fairly led away. You know, we expect all the wild stuff with them. We're used to frozen saints, but now when they get wild, we don't know what to do with them. So I asked him, what's the wild crowd doing? Well, we don't pray like we used to. I said, what do you mean? We used to meet an hour before church and prayed in a small little room. And I testified to you. When you used to have, we used to have an hour prayer meeting from five to six before service. But, you know, when you get to be larger, you don't need prayer meetings because people can't hardly make it. It's hard on them. They're busy. They, you know, we, we just, time is of the essence. And you would go to the prayer meeting, and it didn't matter how poor the sermon was. You had church. Because you got clean. You got your mind on God, and you weren't there figuring out your bills during the service, and you sure weren't saying, man, when's he going to get done? No, 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 a little bit of heaven had already fallen in your soul about waiting on God. Now, most of you can't even amen it because you've never done it. Nobody does this. We go to Brooklyn Tab in Brooklyn with Jim Cimbala. We've been there about two or three times. 
you want to make the Tuesday night prayer meeting in which 4,000 people show up in Brooklyn. And you can't drive a car to the prayer meeting. You take subway or cab. You don't drive cars all over Brooklyn. You take subway. And you've got to get there an hour before to get a seat. This has been going on all 25 years. It's going to fade, you know. It, it, it's just a passing thing. And uh, Jim Simbola simply says, is your church praying? I went up and got into a study with him because Nicky Cruz got me into to seeing him. And so I got up and I was talking, and I was looking at his library. I was going over all of his books, and I was praying he would look the other way. You could send a little in a library, just stuff one. And uh, I was looking, all, he had a huge library. I would say it looked like he had maybe, oh, five, 8,000 volumes, huge office. And uh, he had all kinds of Wesleyan, uh, Calvinists, uh, Arminian. I mean, he had the plethora of guys all over. And I said, man, which camp are you in? He said, what do you mean? I said, well, man, you got all these Calvinistic, Reformed guys, and you got these Arminians, and, and what group are you in? And he just looked at me. He said, Pastor Howard, I'm in the praying group. Which group are you in? He didn't even spell tulip. He could care less. We pray at this church. Can you, can you take that? I mean, he wasn't messing with me. Do you understand what I just said? Uh, yeah, I, I understand. I'm going to debate some theology with you. He said, all of our debates are on our knees. What Brooklyn needs is somebody praying for revival and praying for the soul. We don't have the luxury to sit around and shoot the bull about theology that none of us are doing. Quit always thinking you're a theologian and you're too lazy to pray, too lazy to share the gospel, too lazy. I don't care what camp you're in. Quit bragging on what we think we know. Has what we know make us do anything? Does it make you pray? Does it make you worship? Does it make you evangelize? Does it make you give? Does it make you forgive? Does it make you love people? Come, whoa, whoa, this sounds like doing Christian. Well, Christianity is a doing. It was called the Acts of the Apostle. Not the talk. Acts, and in Greek, it's praxis. What the church did, not what the church talked. And I've been in enough bull sessions because I got a doctorate hanging out with a bunch of think wannabe show-off theologians, and most of them have failed in the ministry because all they did is talk. He's saying, pray. And right here he said, if you'll pray and you're walking with God, according to James, your prayers will accomplish much. Give me three more, and then we'll get ready here. Is this convicting? I'm convicted. That's why I'm sharing it with you. I want some company. Uh, 517, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. You know what that means? You're no weaker than Elijah. Well, man, Elijah really had insight with God. You got ten times more than Elijah ever had. I don't believe the Holy Spirit indwelled Elijah. He hadn't been given to indwell believers yet. That came on the day of Pentecost. I'm indwelt by the Spirit. Elijah wasn't. 
Matter of fact, if you want to argue that, I'll meet you afterwards. We'll argue about it. I don't think Abraham was ever indwelt by the Spirit. There's no place said the Spirit was in Abraham. He's in me. The Father's in me. The Son's in me. I'm indwelt by the Trinity and still struggling. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. But he prayed earnestly. And that ought to be a good condition for prayer. Do you get sleepy at the thought of prayer? Or is it a time of earnestness? I'm fervent. I'm burning. I, I, I'm going to battle. Steve Fernandez used to have a, 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 a banner in his room. I wanted to steal it from him. Maybe now he'd get Karen to give it to me. It was on his office wall. And it showed a man a prayer rug. And a pastor, or a believer, on his knees. And at the top of it said, going to battle. You go to war when you pray. You're AWOL when you don't. You know what I got to fight the most for among our staff and everything? If I will just give in, we'll stop having staff prayer meetings. Because we got a lot of things we need to get to around here, you know. Really important stuff. Stuff that's eternal. Oh, give me a flight bag so I can throw up. This church would stop existing if some of us don't pray. You think God's impressed with all the things our staff think they got to do. And they're still dead. There's no life without prayer. And you got to be earnest about it. You got to be earnest. And he said, the earnest prayer. And he prayed and it did not rain. He prayed again. So, uh, with our common weaknesses, get in earnest about praying. It's not a time to go to sleep. I used to, in my early days, I made a covenant to pray three hours a day when I was in the ninth grade. I kept that through the twelfth grade. So I prayed an hour and a half every day before I went to the ninth grade. Boys, think about it. You might make a covenant to pray an hour every day before you go to school. Uh, I did it. I prayed an hour and a half then, an hour and a half on the way home. I had a little key to a church that let me use their facility. But I'd get down there so early in the morning, I'd, get, I'd have to be there at 6.30, and uh, I'd fall asleep. I'd often be praying at the altar and go to sleep because I'd stayed up in church the night before. You know, we had 10-week revival meetings when I grew up. You folks, don't, you folks are such tired saints. You don't know anything about going to church. We'd go every night, get out at 10.30, you wait for the Holy Ghost to sweep through the place. You had a different kind of bodies in that day. My dad worked steel every day, never missed a night. I see saints. I want to have a three-day Bible conference. My biggest problem is I don't think anyone would come. Because all the saints around this place are tired, you know. The tired church. Serving Jesus in the last days. <laughs> Pass the tequila. I mean, past something. Tired saints. Tired. I think God's sick and tired of you being tired. And he's going to use some folks that got enough energy to show up and ask God to do something for this generation. God isn't pledged to Valley Bible. We can go off the map this week, and God's still going to get his work done. He can, he can get it done. Well, that's what scares me. He can get it done without us. 
If it's tiring to you to serve him, find another God. But Jesus said, if you get in my yoke, it's easy. My burden's light. I carry the heavy end of the load. I just want you to, you know the reason Jesus wants you in the yoke? Not to do the pulling. He just wants you to talk to him while he's pulling. I just invited you to watch me do the work. Here, get next to me. What do you want me to pull, Jesus? No, 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 Twinkie. You don't have any energy. You can't do anything. Look at Crandall tonight. You know Jesus had to help him. I mean, Twinkie baptizing giants. You know, and, and here Jesus is saying, hey, just, just, get in, just get in the yoke, and, and I'm going to teach you how to be meek and how to be humble and, and to watch me work. Watch me work. I'm, I will build my church, not you. My church is in Valley Bible Church because I got a big church. You may be a part of it, but you're not the church. I'm, I'm building a church. And the gates of death, the word Hades, we call it hell. That's a bad, it's the gates. Even death will not stop this church because there's as much of the church in heaven now as there is on the earth. He's got as much up there, and man, can they praise him. When you get there, honey, you'll finally get on pitch. You'll finally join a choir that'll have you. In the meantime, don't audition if you can't sing. Uh, let's keep on. Seven, this is convicting. Jesus said, ask, seek, and knock. So he's waiting to hear you knock. Little Richard did a song, Who's That Knocking at My Door? Da, 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 dee, dee, dee. Who's that knocking? Come on. I grew up on rock and roll. Half the top ten charts is throw up, isn't it? At least they were good songs. Bats Domino, Little Richard, Chuck Berry. Come on. Men that shaped your life. Uh, then uh, let's go to uh, uh, number eight. Uh, something that Spurgeon just drove in me lately is you can pray all you want. If you don't have any faith, you're wasting your breath. And he says right here in James 1, 6, and, you know, uh, we used to sing a song that when prayer is the key to heaven, but faith unlocks the door was the way it went. Prayer is the key, but faith turns the key. And James says, you must ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. You remember what Jesus said. Uh, he said that uh, uh, all things you ask for in prayer, believing you'll receive. Hebrews said, you must believe that he is and that he rewards you if you seek him. Faith, I think, um, is probably the element killing our prayer life the most. I think it's one of the outstanding things about Steve Fernandez. I, I never thought hardly anybody would attend a church Steve pastor because he was so rowdy and had so many rough edges when I knew him coming up. But God surely used him. And started a seminary, no money, no faculty, uh, no facility. He just said, God wants me to do it. Well, you better, you've been out in the sun too long. 
because he went to one of my friends and said, man, we want, to start a, we want to start a building and we want to start a seminary. And they said, you're crazy. You have no resources. He said, I've got God and I've got this burden I can't shake. What are you believing God for? Is there anything you cannot be quiet about in prayer that you say, I'm counting on you, Lord. I'm counting on you. I've often, oh, I've told it five times in 42 years. Pardon me for repeating. About the pastor that used to hear his dad every day pray, save my wife and my kids. And eventually God saved them all. But he said every day he used to track him in the woods and he prayed at a tree stump. And every day he said, but you promised me. You promised me. That's where some of you need to memorize. Just take some promises and get on your knees and go and say, I'm going to earnestly believe God and I'm going to pray and pray. Tell me this. Do your kids ever catch you praying on your knees? When Hal Stewart, the pastor of Hilltop Assembly, was dying, being a personal friend, I called his wife, Sandra. I said, I want to come see uh, Hal before he dies, dying of cancer. And Sandra gave me a time to come. When I got there, their three married daughters were all there and a bunch of kids all over the house. And I said, well, Hal, what's this? Uh, and, And one of the girls, maybe the girls had got a hold of me, one of his married daughters, a pastor's wife, said, and I said, man, I don't mean to intrude. What's going on? She said, oh, no, 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 don't mind. I said, what, what's going on? She said, well, all of us, me and my sisters, we grew up every morning. Dad prayed next to his bed. All of our youth. And then we'd come out, help get us ready for school and kiss us goodbye. And us three girls thought, if anything, we wanted our children to remember their grandfather. Bye. It's his morning vigil on his knees like all the time we were growing up. And so we've got, we're hanging out for a week so they could just pray with Grandpa in the morning. I think of my little grandson, AJ. He wants me to pray with him. He's more, I'll be downstairs praying and praying, and he'll get ready to go. He said, oh, no, he comes in and he says, Grandpa, what, can I pray with you? And he jumps in, he prays, pray, pray a blessing over me today. Three years old, four now. I just laid hands on him. God, make him a preacher. God, set him on fire. God, raise him up. Raise him up. Have your kids ever caught you there? I'm so sick of politics and stuff. God's never changed a nation through politics. He's changed it through a praying church. Talk to me about your prayer life. Final thing, I just throw this in. Look at 1 Peter. This is a scary one. It's not my life's verse. I'll tell you that now. And all the men said, amen. You don't even know yet. Get over there. Three. You know where I'm going. Verse 7. You husbands in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way. As an absolutely weaker person, since she is a woman. But show her honor 
as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that I do not cut off your prayer life. So I've learned to be the most wonderful husband I know how to be, just to have an effective prayer life because you can't be mean to your wife and God listen to you pray. And my wife says, preach. I haven't heard it in years. Thank you, honey. Sit me. (laughs) See, domestic issues, husband-wife quarreling, will kill your prayer life. And you need to say, God, help us to figure it out. Figure it out. Now, what you do, you take this sheet. Some came tonight, thought I was going to give you a test, but I knew you couldn't pass. (laughs) So what you need to do now As you pray this week, write down what you're lacking. Things that are not going on in your life, maybe your home, your marriage, whatever. Real lacks uh, that that are going on. And then, besides that lack, say, have I asked God to do anything about it? Have I been praying about it? Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. And then, you might just do a further study. What is... What would be the will of God in this matter? Do I have any divine direction in his word on what he would do about this issue? Uh, Let's say a marital conflict. Now, God wants me to be uh, a kind husband, uh, lead, be willing to sacrifice, be willing to ask for forgiveness. Wife would say the same. God wants me to follow. God wants me. uh, what, What does the word of God say on the issue? That's what you want to decide the issue and pray, help me to do the will of God. If we would pray, I believe this church should be running 3,000 by now because we're 300,000 people within 10 miles. So that'd make us less than 1% of the population. And all churches combined in this area that I know of would make up over, I don't think, we would total over 6,000 people within a 10-mile. So the church in America has become very ineffective because the church in America prays little. It's slick. It's big on uh, bands. It's big on music. It's big on uh, you got to have the sound. you got to have the lights. You can have the videos. You can have church without God, you know. We're going to teach God how to have church. Well, we need to get on our knees and say, we're desperately poor. We're naked and blind. And without God fanning us and putting the boil in us, we will die like all other churches before us. We must become desperate. It's the only way we're going to survive. Our Father, as we prepare to remember the Lord Jesus, the one the builders rejected. They said, this stone isn't good enough. But you took the stone that the builders rejected and you built, built your church. I'm praying that tonight as we get ready to take communion, that you, Lord, We're working us. Would you teach us how to pray? Oh, I repent for my prayerlessness. One of my greatest sins is I pray too little. 
Boy, we make staff meetings. Wouldn't want to miss that. That's all important. Oh, the budget. Oh, we got to. There's men that stay up all day to fight over $100. But they won't make a prayer meeting. And so you let us fuss. You let us fight. And you take away your divine presence. You quit saving. And we become a barren, barren bride. Lord, heal us. If my people, which are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray, then I would heal their land. And oh, how we need healing in America. We need revival. We need a move of God. We need what no preacher can do. We need what no choir can sing down. We need what can only come from the secret place. Men and women travailing in the presence of God for what God alone can do. Prayer didn't die last year, didn't die here. It dies in us. I ask, awaken our thirst. Please forgive our sins, our mixed-up priorities, our phony. You've given us so much, even in this local. Lord, we remember when we met in dance halls and theaters and, and rented schools, and now we're uptown. But so what? So what? If the Spirit of God is not working, if people are not praying, if you are not molding us into the, the axe church you want to be on fire, burning, in love with God, deliver us from quarreling, deliver us from petty issues, deliver us from envy and hate, give us a unity that comes from prayer and focusing on the glory of Christ. Let us promote His glory and seek what only He can do. We pray, have mercy on us, lest we stray. Prone to wonder, Lord, how I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.